Good morning. Um, if there is uh, anybody who cannot see the screen or cannot see me at this time, I encourage you to find a spot that is comfortable where you can see the screen and can see me. Um, you don't have to move, but you're welcome to. <clears throat> so uh, this morning, I would like to address the question, um, what if there is no evil source for the cruelty we impose on each other? It's clear if we look around uh, the world we live in that there is a lot of cruelty that we are imposing on each other uh, from uh, minor cruelties that we might have um, within our own family um, to uh, major warfare between the Palestinians and the Israelis or the Russians and the Ukrainians. And it's very easy when we have, uh, when we experience cruelty to assume that there's an evil source that we need to find. I'm suggesting that we uh, do not need to find an evil source, that the pursuit of an evil source itself is dehumanizing to the seeker and the one who is found as the evil source. So if, as I'm asserting, there is no evil source, how do you explain this evil? And that's what we're gonna be about talking this morning. So I, I wanna talk about our universal interdependence, the larger picture, the assumption that everything and everyone is a part of a wonderful universal interdependence. And the most elemental form of that universal interdependence is two. It's the interdependent pair. And that, so that's what I'm gonna be focusing on is the interdependent pair that I call a polarity. An example of this is activity and rest. All of us are involved since birth with some version of activity and rest. Notice that it doesn't make sense to put or between activity and rest. We wouldn't approach someone and say, for the next 10 years, are you going to be active or are you going to be restful? It makes no sense because, in fact, they are an interdependent pair. We need to be active and we need time to rest. So what we do is we put and between them. So with all polarities, all interdependent pairs, we need to connect them with the word and. The word or doesn't make sense if in fact it's an interdependent pair. There's something else that's happening with this interdependent pair. Activity and rest is a metaphor for all polarities. So one of the things that happens is there's this energy system that's moving around and between these two poles. What I'd like you to do with your hands, if you would, for a second, is I'd like you to bring your hands up like this. Bring them from down below and up like this. So the energy is going towards the upside of both poles. Now, that is yang energy. It differentiates the two poles. So, so activity and rest never become the same thing. Right? They're separate. Now I'd like you to move around like this. Bring it around. Okay, so when you go up between, that's yang energy, it separates them, but then yin energy gets engaged and it holds them together. So this tradition of yin and yang energy shows up in all polarities. The energy differentiates and it holds together. 
So it comes as a set. It doesn't matter whether we like it or whether we believe it, actually. Another, another, uh, another metaphor for polarities is inhaling and exhaling. Again, it's a false choice. Are we going to inhale or exhale? It doesn't make any sense to put or between inhaling and exhaling. So they come as a set in nature. Now, a dimension of this infinity loop is that there's the energy moves up toward the upside of a pole because there's a positive benefit there. What I'd like you to do is raise your hand and give me um, what would the positive results be uh, from being physically and mentally active. I want five items, and I'll repeat them here. If you'd raise your hand, what are five benefits, one from five different people here, the benefit of being physically and mentally active? Mental well-being, strength, strength. Lower, blood lower blood pressure, yeah, good ideas, good ideas. <laughs> one more, running. running, okay, so there are a lot of upsides to activity, that's why we're active, it gives us a lot of benefits, it's rich, so with all polarities, what each pole brings is an upside to the relationship between the two poles, so activity gives us all of that. What happens is, if you focus on activity to the neglect of its partner, it becomes dysfunctional. It doesn't mean you're a bad person, but you can get in real trouble. So, five more things from maybe five different people here. What happens, what are the negative results from over-focusing on activity to the neglect of rest? What do you get there? Activity with no rest leads to? Injury. What else? Burnout. Burnout. Confusion. Confusion. Exhaustion. Exhaustion. Fatigue. Fatigue. Okay. Now, notice how quickly we can come up with the content here. <laughs> it, it's because we've, we've lived in this polarity our whole life, so we've experienced that downside. When you experience the downside of one pole of a polarity, the natural antidote is the upside of the pole's partner. When you're in the downside of activity, burnout, exhaustion, the natural self-correction is to get some rest. Now, when you go to get some rest, what are the positive results of getting some rest? Positive results from being physically, uh, getting physical and mental rest are, what have we got? Relaxation, rejuvenation, alertness, healing, yes, healing, creativity. Exactly. So, again, a great upside. So notice how, with all polarities, there are two great upsides. No question. And that's why we engage both of them, right? However... Just like activity has a downside, so does rest. Rest without any activity has another downside. So what are the negative results if we overfocus on rest to the neglect of any activity? I'd like you to imagine you're in bed for, say, three months, no TV, no phone, yeah, you know, uh, and you're just, uh, you're just sitting there uh, in bed. Depression. Depression. Atrophy, yep. Obesity. Obesity. Weakness. Weakness, yep. One more. Weakness. 
Bed sores, exactly. All right, now you're getting into it. Exactly. So notice, though, we had this great list for the upsides of rest, but rest without its partner becomes just a disaster. Now, does that make a person a bad person because they're experiencing bed sores and, and uh, entropy, you know, atrophy of their, their muscles? No, but it means that for some reason they found themselves over-focusing on one pole of a polarity to the neglect of the other, it becomes dysfunctional. So I'd like you to just keep that in mind because the metaphor about activity and rest will hold for all polarities. So let's take a look a little further. Um, so what if the root cause of some evil results is the pursuit of one good to the neglect of its interdependent good? I'm suggesting the source of evil is pursuing one good to the neglect of its interdependent good. It shows up as evil. But we don't have to blame somebody as being inherently evil. There are no inherently evil people or groups or organizations. There are individuals, groups, and organizations that do evil things. That does not make us or them inherently evil. But this is how this shows up. So uh, if you've got two goods, you've got two good results if you pursue those, whatever they are. If it's a polarity, they each bring something good to the table. Also, um, if you bring or to it, uh, if we focus on, on either or thinking and you just focus on the good results on the left, you're going to get evil results, which is the downside of that pole. If your or thinking leads you to pursue only the good results on the right, you're going to end up with evil results there. So this is a pattern about polarities. If you overfocus on one pole to the neglect of the other, it becomes terribly dysfunctional and can actually look like evil. So what? Uh, and it needs to be connected by and, and we need to go after both upsides. That's the message. If you have, you need to distinguish a problem to solve from a polarity to leverage. If you've got a polarity, you need to go after both upsides. Celebrate both upsides. That's what it's about. So I'd like to look at some common values here on the left. And what we're going to do is we're going to look at common values, and then we're going to look at underlying polarities about those values, and you're not going to find any evil anywhere in this process until we get to the downsides of some polarities. So being fit. Again, activity and rest is necessary if you want to be fit. If you want to run a marathon, you have to systematically be active and get yourself some downtime so you don't have muscle injury, right? The other four I want to talk about as a set here are solving problems. All of us, if we, if we experience a difficulty, it's a real contribution to solve it. So solving problems is a, has a great upside. We need to do that. Protecting those we love is another great value. Providing for those we love is another great value. And finally, belonging. Now notice how there isn't any evil source here about solving problems, protecting those we love, uh, and providing for them, and our own desire to belong. If we look at the underlying polarities, it gets a little more interesting in how the possibility of evil can emerge. So solving problems, um, an underlying polarity is or thinking and and thinking. We need both, or thinking and and thinking. It is itself a polarity. 
So we need to solve problems and we need to leverage polarities. If we think everything is about solving problems and we see everything as a problem to solve without being aware that some of them are polarities that need leveraging, then we get in trouble because we make a false choice. We see one pole or the other as the solution and that's what the setup is. In terms of protecting those we love, an underlying polarity is about claiming power and sharing power, the essence of democracy. But if we just focus on one or the other, we get in trouble. Providing for those we love. The, the, the focus here is on the freedom, entrepreneurial initiative and freedom for the part, for the individual or the team or the organization, and equality, the benefit of the common good. How do we pay attention to both freedom and equality and the tension between them. The final one is belonging. An underlying polarity about belonging is justice and mercy. So what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna walk through these and I'm gonna stack them so you can see how the combination of choosing one or the other gets us in trouble. So the first one, uh, being fit, activity, or rest won't get you fit. Solving problems, if we say we're gonna have or thinking, um, if we chose activity, we get in trouble. With the or thinking, or and thinking polarity, we tend to come by problem solving and or thinking naturally. Am I gonna take this new job or not? Are we gonna go to the moon or not? Um, who are we gonna vote for as the next president? Am I going for this person or this person? There's a lot of problems we have to solve with or thinking, it's essential. But if we do it to the neglect of and thinking, we get in trouble. And if we bring this or thinking as an unconscious choice to the issue about power, it gets to claiming power or sharing power, and we decide to claim power, it leads to the abuse of power. Claiming power without sharing power becomes an abuse of power. Now, if we bring, continue to bring this or thinking to the tension between freedom and equality, we overfocus on freedom to the neglect of equality, we get gross inequality. And if we bring that or thinking to justice or mercy, and we focus on justice to the neglect of mercy, it leads to straight out self-righteous cruelty. So this is how we can find ourselves with um, a set of common values and underlying polarities that can get us in trouble. So the first one about solving, I'm just gonna run through now each of these four. What if an if an implicit bias for or is the root cause for mismanaging a stack of polarities, and this is the first one, is or and and itself. The benefits of or thinking is that we're decisive and clear and problems get solved, absolutely essential. The benefits of and thinking is that it's thoughtful, it's flexible, and it pays attention to polarities so that you can leverage them, so that you can do both. So we need to both solve problems and leverage polarities. If you focus on the uh, or thinking. Your fear can be that you're gonna get the downside of and alone. I'm not proposing that and thinking is a solution to a problem here. I'm saying that and thinking needs to be a supplement to or thinking. The problem with and thinking alone is it's slow to act, ambiguous, and stuck in ambivalence if it doesn't have the benefits of or thinking, right? But if your choice is to be decisive, clear, and problem solved, you want to avoid being slow, ambiguous, and stuck in ambivalence, you find yourself over-focusing on or thinking to the neglect of and thinking, and that leads to being reactive, uh, uh, rigid, and it gets you in vicious cycles as you fight 
between these two. So now, the first is or thinking, and if you choose or thinking for the rest of these three polarities, you get yourself in trouble. We need to have and here. What about claiming power and sharing power? What if we bring an or bias to our addressing of explicit power? When we claim power, the upside of that is that we have the power to, to protect loved ones and our interests. It's important that we claim power on behalf of ourselves and others, that we have a voice, as was mentioned in the poem. It's also important that whoever they are have power to protect loved ones and their interests. We need to protect our interests as the United States, and we need to allow other countries to protect their interests. If it's just about protecting our interests, um, that gets into an abuse of power. So if we look at or thinking and we say, wait a minute, we need to have, I need to have power to protect my loved ones. And if, if we get in a struggle with somebody else and we're defeated, we'll be unable to protect our loved ones or our interests. And we uh, could be oppressed and seen as inferior. The possibility of losing in a power struggle with somebody else can be so frightening that we spend a significant amount of our national budget on uh, protecting our country. That investment is holding on to the pole of claiming power. But if we claim power without sharing it, it becomes abusive. What does that look like? They, whoever they are, are defeated and unable to protect uh, loved ones or their loved ones' interests. Explicit power superiority leads to inequity and implicit bias and group superiority. For example, white settlers coming to the United States and claiming power over native people and taking the land and then bringing enslaved people to work the land is an example of claiming power without sharing power. Um, so that, these are really extremely cruel things. But what's their source? It's not inherent, some sort of inherent evil about my ancestors from Norway. But it does have to do with the misunderstanding about the polarity of claiming power and sharing power. And claiming it under the rationale, I need to protect my family or my country or whatever that is. In the name of protection, I'm gonna claim power and I'm not gonna share it. But when we have power over, now we need to legitimate that power over and we need to maintain it. So, so we write the laws when we have the power, right? So we can claim that why did we win in this struggle over the land? Why did we win over native peoples? Because we're smarter. Because we're cultured and they're savages. Why did we find ourselves uh, owning slaves and working our land? Because we're smarter. Um, the white superiority comes over a power superiority at a point in time. Um, and, so it, and, and so what happens with this military or uh, power and power over leads to an abuse of power over those who we have marginalized. So it's an issue between dominant culture and marginalized cultures. Um, and that doesn't mean, by the way, that anybody in this picture is inherently evil. There's no evil source here. But the assumption of power leads to a disastrous result. 
Democracy is an effort to support the notion of claiming power and sharing power. Uh, so, so that's one. So now, so we've claimed power and we've got it. So white males here in the United States, me. Um, what if we bring an or bias combined with this power that we've gained and we want to hold on to when addressing the notion of abundance for some and basics for all? I believe that it's possible to have abundance for some and basics for all. But if we don't think that's possible, if we assume, uh, and let me just talk here, that we can't have both abundance and basics for all, what I mean by, by these items, by the way, abundance of what? I'm talking about education, healthcare, jobs, food, shelter, and safety. If I assume that in order to allow for basic housing for everyone, I have to give up one of my houses, I'll resist the effort to provide basic housing for everyone. I will unconsciously resist it. I can even be on the board. I can even invest money in basic housing for everyone. But I will unconsciously undermine it to the degree my mindset is either we have abundance for some or basics for all. If I see it as an either or proposition, I will undermine it. And so what I'm afraid of, possibly, is if I really went with, a, with basic housing for everybody, I'm going to have to lose one of my places. Um, so I've got that or point of view, and what that leads to is poverty for more and more. Poverty of education, uh, gross inequality in education, in access to health care, access to jobs for a living wage, access to food, access to shelter, and access to safety. Um, again, no evil source here, but the assumption that you can't have both leads to um, over-focusing <clears throat> on the pole for uh, freedom to the neglect of equality. Uh, now I want to talk about this final one, about belonging. <clears throat> and I'm going to use two different examples here. One is related to uh, faith, our faith traditions, in this case the Christian and Jewish faith tradition. Um, <clears throat> and then I'm going to talk about how it relates to us internationally. Um, so the polarity of justice and mercy uh, mercy, the upside of mercy, a good thing about mercy, is that it offers forgiveness and unconditional love. It's a great upside. Justice, um, there's an upside to justice, which is about laws. When Moses came back from Mount Sinai, he had a set of laws. Every church community, your community, has some sort of agreements about you're going to meet on a certain day, you're going to meet on Sunday, you're going to meet at a time. I've got a regimen I'm supposed to follow here. Those are the guidelines I got. So, so no matter where it is, a state community or a faith community of any kind, there are some sort of guidelines about how we expect people to behave in this community. And your membership, your belonging, is dependent on you agreeing with that arrangement. And so, so your belonging has to do with complying with laws. So, the, so we, laws are good and necessary. We need them, right? But let's follow the, this justice pole, going towards justice, as if that's all we have to focus on is justice. Let's see what happens here. So if some laws are good, 
more laws are probably better. <laughs> I think you can see where this is headed. <laughs> so now, but laws without consequences are, are meaningless. So if some consequences, so consequences are necessary. If some consequences are good, then harsher consequences are probably better. Now look where this is headed. It's a, it's a good and necessary thing to go after laws. But laws and consequences without mercy and forgiveness leads to evil itself in the pursuit of one good to the neglect of the other good. And there's no evil people involved here. What does it look like when you have increased the number of laws and you increase the harshness of the consequences? It looks like this. It looks like what I consider to be an evil without an evil source. You stone a pregnant woman to death for being pregnant out of wedlock. This is still happening today, by the way. I consider that an evil act. But we do not have to find an evil source here. There is no inherently evil source. But there is an evil act happening here. Um, so let's look at the other side. What happens if we overfocus on forgiveness and unconditional love, which is a great thing? We do it without any laws or consequences. What happens is we ignore the, storing, the, the uh, stoning. So we get complicit. So uh, we end up with either, the, we end up with both downsides. So the question is, how do we both hold ourselves accountable in the context of understanding that we're unconditionally loved? We love our children unconditionally and we tell them you don't hit your sister upside the head with a stick. That's not okay. I love you and that's not okay. This dual message is central to polarities. This is good and this is good. Pay attention to both. If you choose one or the other, you're in trouble. Okay. So this is now on the larger perspective around justice and mercy. So with justice, we stand up we use laws to serve and protect. On the other hand, the parallel from standing up is understanding. The parallel to use laws to serve and protect is you use forgiveness to heal self, others, and relationships. Um, this is what happened uh, with the truth and reconciliation process after the uh, ending of apartheid in South Africa. I've done some work in South Africa and um, can appreciate what's going on here. People, what they did was people had to stand up, own what they did, and they ended up then being involved in the reconciliation process. So truth and reconciliation is, truth is justice and reconciliation is mercy. So the truth and reconciliation process is a whole nation state, South Africa, trying to leverage this polarity and get the upsides of both. But if we see uh, the, uh, the downside of mercy, is inaction. In the name of forgiveness, neither those with more explicit power nor those with less explicit power are held accountable for their actions. Lawlessness is tolerated. So out of this desire to stand up and the fear of what happens if, 
if we don't hold people accountable, that fear can lead to us over-focusing on justice to the neglect of mercy. And it leads to cruel act. It leads to self-righteous indignation. It leads to... Um, destroying, virtually destroying Gaza. It leads to Hiroshima and Nagasaki. Dresden. Um, it leads to um, a lot of pain. Um, so if... Um, once we, once we have the laws, once we have the power, we talked about abuse of power, if we look at our own history, we use laws to, to gain or to main, and to maintain explicit power. So we use laws to maintain slavery. To teach a slave to read is illegal. Why is it illegal? Because learning to read is an empowering act. And you don't want to claim power and share power. You want to claim power over so you need to make sure that you're not empowering the other. So you have a, you have a, a civil war. After the civil war, you have uh, laws that are created that allow for what was in the Declaration of Independence. We hold these Jews to be self-evident that we're all created equal. But then how do you, if you keep the either-or mindset about power and laws, you create Jim Crow laws to perpetuate the power over. So many laws and harsh punishments leads to projection of what can't be owned by those with more explicit power on those with less explicit power. So if I have a system that has a lot of laws and harsh consequences, and I can't own, there's no, there's no mercy, so I can't own um, my own shortcomings because uh, the consequences are so harsh, what I will do is I will project my shortcomings on somebody else. And so if you have the power to own the projection screens, then you can project them. Those in power can project what we don't want to own on the people um, who, in the as a dominant culture, you can project them onto those who have been marginalized. Um, so we need and. So what happens here in a summary, or thinking alone without and thinking, um, we bring that to, to claiming power without sharing power. Um, and then we bring it to choosing freedom over equality, choosing justice over mercy, and we get all of the downsides of or thinking alone, claiming power without sharing power, freedom without equality, and justice without mercy. And it looks like poverty, racism, and sexism with no evil source. So what do we do about this? My suggestion is that if we could supplement or think with and thinking as an essential element to interrupting poverty, racism, and sexism. So what we can do is we can connect or with and. We can solve problems and we can leverage polarities. We can claim power and we can share power. We can support freedom and we can support equality. We can support justice and we can support mercy. And that can interrupt poverty, racism, and sexism. So in dealing with these evils in the world, there is a way to deal with them. We need to appreciate the source. So the final thing is, the question, the initial question, I'm going to add two more questions. What if there is no evil source for the cruelty we impose on each other? And I think there is no evil source. Another question, what if our cruelty comes from using or thinking 
when interdependence requires and thinking. Final question, what if universal interdependence is the embodiment of unconditional love? Thank you.